Good evening and welcome to Spirit Radio. I am your host, Willie Hassel. Along with my co-host, Lynn Nickerson, we will take you on a journey, a journey into the unknown where the paranormal becomes the normal, a journey to a world cloaked in darkness where reality becomes a thin veil. So sit back, relax, and join us as we venture into the shadows, the darkness, the unknown, and back. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Spirit Radio, the Paranormal Experience. I'm Willie Hassel, along with hey, the lovely... <laughs> the mystical, the mysterious, Lynn Nickerson. Hey, how you doing tonight? Yo, Willie, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Good. All right. You know, we haven't been here for. I know it feels like a ages, little while. Doesn't I know it. it. Yeah. I, I kind of forgot what buttons to push, but oh no, you know, yeah, I'll figure it it's out. It's an age thing. It's an age <laughs> thing. Oh, oh, the buttons are old. The, bu- the, the buttons. Yeah, the buttons are old. The, the buttons That's what are getting old. Yeah. I know you're not talking about me. No, no. Okay. Hey, anything new and exciting? Uh, am I supposed to say something here? Um, it's up to you. We could just sit here and look at each other. <laughs> Wouldn't be too interesting for the mm. listeners or for our guests. But, no, nothing you know. terribly new and exciting. Mm-hmm. We'll come up with something. But, you know, okay. our lives are so full that nothing comes to mind in particular. Well, uh, that's it. We just got so much going on yeah. that we don't know what to mention first. But we and do. There's, there's have, lots of stuff that we could mention, but we're probably not supposed to. And who would care? <laughs> right. So, in that case, tonight on Spirit Radio, the paranormal experience, it is always a pleasure when tonight's guest is on the show. Amen. In 2012, El Santa Vega founded the Bronxville Paranormal Society with the goal of finding out answers to some of those difficult questions. He is also the co-director of the New York State UFO Project and co-director of the North American Dogman Project. L has had his share of strange happenings ever since a young age, including UFO sightings, um, Bigfoot sightings. I see I was looking for the right button there. <laughs> and even a possible abduction experience. And he is the quintessential storyteller and a very good friend to the show. Welcome to Spirit Radio, El Santa Riga. Thank you, Willie. Thank you, Lynn. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. So I think it's interesting, too, to point out that El not only does paranormal ghost investigations, but he's very interested in cryptids, UFOs, uh, dogmen, as, as you mentioned. So he likes, he does a whole gamut of paranormal yeah, El's been through oddities. it all. He does it all. Yep. <laughs> So tonight, we're going to be discussing a couple of the cleansings that uh, Al has done. There are going to be a couple of cases here. And what I wanted to do is, for the audience benefit, is to distinguish between just cleansings and a house clearing or a regular investigation. And here's the difference. Um, Al has interviewed the clients in each of these two following cases, and he interviews them to get feedback on what is occurring. And by coincidentally consulting with whichever psychic his team has available, that that is available on his team, it's determined in each case that the cause of the activity in these two cases were due to the occupants and that cleansings or house clearings were needed in order to resolve the situations. So rather than being a, a typical investigation where you'd have a team go in, these cases reflect a different kind of an intervention uh, than what a standard investigation would require. So tonight, Al, we're going to start with uh, the Westchester County case number one, history, case history that you had. So uh, do you want to set that up? Sure. I got a, I got a phone call from a client. We'll call her Leslie. And um, she told me... Um, what she was experiencing, some weird stuff in the house. And she you know, went on to explain that her mom had just passed and that she took, she moved into her mother's townhouse 
and and um, ever since she moved in, and then she redecorated the place. So she gutted everything, and you know that's always a nightmare. And uh, once she did that, she started having all kinds of activity, and she started sending me, um, you know, a video of stuff that she was capturing, you know, and uh, she was even capturing stuff out in the woods she has a uh, woods behind her home and she was walking back in the woods and she was taking selfies of her and her dog and uh she caught a image of something that looked like a minute man behind her you know and i thought i got i gotta get to i gotta go down there and, and see these woods you know and then she had like this ghostly apparition on on her uh on her deck her back patio and just all kinds of creepy images of all kinds of weird animals, like in the woods. I mean, some of the stuff didn't make any sense. In one photograph, it looked like there was a dog man out there. In another photograph, it looked like these creatures that were half raccoons and I don't know, half something else, too, but they the looked raccoon. like they were up in a tree and Killer things raccoons. in the house, just all kind noises in the house, all kinds of noises and bangs. And um, weird stuff happening in her home, you know. Um, she had a, a jewelry, not a jewelry box, but a, a box in her bathroom you know, where you put women put their bobby pins and stuff, you know. It was a wooden box, and it was on top of the dresser by the sink. And she went in there one morning, and it was filled to the top with water. And she's like, how does water get in this box when it's nowhere near the sink or underneath where the pipes are, you know, um, handprints on her shower when she's taking showers. It's all kinds of stuff. So I said, you know what, let me come down and do a little walkthrough. And uh, once I walked down there, I went down there and I, I did like a preliminary investigation slash interview with her personal interview. And I walked around the house and, you know, I got the, I got the feeling that there was, um, something off on the property you know if i don't know it's just not that i claim to be psychic by any stretch of imagination i don't but i felt like some there was um a lot of energy coming through um and to me it felt like a portal had been opened so either out in the woods or in the house or something and i went around and i was checking all you know stuff with emf meters and like i said it was her mom's house that she still had some things left over from her mom and we were in the I was being pulled towards her master closet which is all her clothes you know how women are which are all her clothes her husband's got like a little shelf on the side and I go in there and I'm checking all the clothes with the EMF meter and I get to a wig that her mom used to wear it was her mother's regular wig her mother was a wig person had tons of wigs and this wig the EMF meter went off the charts just went through the charts when I, when I went to this wig, which made no sense because there was nowhere near any kind of electrical energy outlet or whatever. Um, so that was pretty interesting. And then I went and I um, was walking around the house and over the fireplace, they have a big, she has a big painting of like a gypsy, you know, and um, which kind of looked like her mom. And that's why her mother bought the painting because it looked like her. And it's been hanging over the fireplace for, you know, 30 years, whatever. And I went over to that painting and I hit it with the EMF meter and the meter just went crazy. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, and then I, again, I, I, her husband is like a junk. He's not, you know, it's not a junk man per se, but he's the kind of guy that if he sees something on the side of the road that looks good, he's going to pick it up. And he had recently come home with a weight set, weights, bench, the whole nine yards, like somebody just cleaned out their garage. And he brought it all home. And uh, I was going around the weight sets and the energy that was attached to the barbell and the dumbbells in that on that set was ridiculous. I mean, like just off the charts. And I was thinking, man, what is going on? And I said, you know, how what what else does your husband, you know, bring home? And then she started showing me, told me her husband started acting different. Okay. Um, and he started acting different and uh, she she felt that he was having an affair and all this stuff, and then he every night he would come home with like a different kind of trinket, 
And she thought it was pretty weird that, you know, all these little trinkets, there were like, there were symbols and uh, things that she wasn't familiar with. You know, I wasn't familiar with them either, but I mean, I'm looking at them and she goes, I think they're devil worshiping stuff, you know? And I called a good friend of mine, uh, Miss Aida Saravini. She's a hoodoo practitioner. And she knows everything there is to know about hoodoo and voodoo and Sandigree and all of those religions. And I showed her all the trinkets and she was telling me that these were actually um, protective trinkets, you know, and not, not something negative. So then we were, she interviewed the woman and she interviewed the husband and uh, she, she came to the conclusion that the husband had a love spell put on him from some woman at work that he knew that he met and she was a Spanish woman and she was into Santa and she put a love spell on him. And, uh, and uh, so she was telling us, you know, listen, um, your husband's been spellbound and we need to do a ritual to break this spell. And uh, so, you know, she went on and I mean, I, I got everything written down because there's so much stuff involved, but um what we did was the husband had to go through the ritual for like two weeks and, and 14 days it was. And then when we broke that love spell, you know, and he didn't want anything to do with the woman at work anymore. She knew that the spell had been broken. She got pissed and she put a curse on him. So now he comes home and he's, like mean and ornery and he doesn't want nothing to do with it. And he's just cheating, cheating, treating his wife really bad, you know, saying bad things, hurtful things. And again, Miss Aida got involved and she said, okay, you know, we went from love to hate. Now she put a curse on you, you know, and again, we had to go through the ritual. And I mean, I can list everything that we went through. There was 101 things for each ritual. And again, he had to go through for 14 days. And we finally broke that that uh, that uh, curse. And let me tell you something: to break these spells that people uh, bewitch you with is no easy task. It takes a lot of energy. I, I, a lot of people, I don't even think, could go through the fourteen day ritual you need to go through to, to do it because it's so time consuming and it entails so many different kinds of um, protective and healing and different kinds of uh, uh, trinkets and stuff to, to get these things off you. And, uh, you know, we did that. And uh, again, you know, not to cut it short, I mean, if you want me to go into it deep, we could take a deep dive on all the stuff that we had to use. But then um, we also felt that, a portal there was a portal in the woods that's where i was feeling the portal energy it felt like and let me let me circle back here for a second the woman uh leslie's grandmother was a white witch from italy okay and her mother was a was a white witch and her aunt was a white witch and but their mother was afraid of it and she didn't practice it and Leslie is very gifted as well, sensitive and you know, to, to, to um, energies. And um, so we, we believe that because there was a portal in the woods and because she started walking her dog in the woods every single day and she would take these selfies with these crazy animals in behind her or you know around her and and her her closed circuit tv cameras were catching all kinds of stuff walking by looking in her window at night you know um you know like sasquatches looking in and these ghostly apparitions i know i sent you some photos and you know yeah, you, you, you'll post the photos and everything and you'll and people will get to see the stuff she sent me it was just really off the charts and like shadow figures going up her steps and all kinds of different strange entities, you know, it's just very, very strange. And, um, 
it was it was a, a very taxing, you know, um, being there and dealing with those energies because Miss Aida was um, doing it via, you know, uh, Skype because, you know, obviously she's she lives in Michigan and I'm in New York. So she was helping me out here. And um, and I recommend anyone go buy her books if you want to know how to put spells on people or how to take <laughs> spells off, go buy her books. But um, she's the real deal. But um, yeah, it was just crazy stuff. One thing after another, like not in a million years that would I ever think that, um, you know, we finally got broke the, the love spell. And then this woman hits him with a curse, you know, it was just crazy. I want to interject here that people don't realize um, there are so many things that exist at different frequencies beyond the spectrum of our vision. There's stuff out there that many people deny exist, but we've got these photographic evidence of, yeah, there's something there. I don't think people take that as well as the strength of curses and spells seriously. They're real, just as ghosts no. are real, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Unless, unless you're from, like, uh, Haiti or right. Louisiana, Where it's then you may place. take that stuff serious. But up here in the Northeast... No yeah. one takes that stuff serious, you know, no, and even her it. husband, you know, he didn't take it serious. He was like, you know, it's not it's just who I am. But he was totally opposite of who he was. He actually, according to Leslie, there was times when he would get enraged that he would not even look like himself, you know, or his eyes would get all black, you know, like he was had a demon in him or something. But um it wasn't demonic or anything like that, but it was very, very scary. Absolutely very scary. take any of those photos, Al, or were they mostly that woman, Leslie, that took them? Uh, yeah, she got most of those photos from uh, a couple of selfies out in the woods with the dog. Um, and uh, the rest of it was all from her cir- uh, closed circuit cameras around the house and on the property, you know. So um, she, she gets notifications on her phone. And she looks and there's, you know, something looking in the window or something walking through the yard or something, you know, a shadow figure going along the wall on the steps. There it's is just one crazy. photo there that you mentioned that there's a shadow person. And it seems like one is a close up of the same shot. What I did see was not only a shadow person, but it also looked like the creature in the movie The Predator, where it looked like okay. a diaphanous form that like has been seen to jump from trees to trees, but it's like um, almost a cellophane. An energy form, yeah. Yes, energy, energy form, form. Yeah. very bizarre, but she captured, or you captured that. I don't know if, uh, if you no, took that picture. No, I, I, didn't, I, don't, I didn't even take any pictures when I was there. I was just okay. working with the EMF meter, trying to, trying to see what was, you know, active and what was not, you know, so... Um, I wasn't like it wasn't like it was an investigation where I had all my uh, all the bells and whistles. It was just my my meter. I went in the house wherever I was being pulled. I went to I was being pulled in the garage toward the weights. I was being pulled towards that gypsy picture. I was being pulled in her closet and I was being pulled towards her patio, like out the back door. And that's where I felt like something had opened up in those woods or maybe it was always opened. I don't know. But there was like an energy and it felt like it was directed right at her patio because maybe because of who she is or who her mother was and all these generations of this energy being in that home, you know, I don't know. Psychic. Did you determine what it was it was causing the EMFs like with the weights or with the wigs or with the photograph that the painting what, do you think it was no. just the mother's energy on the two? Uh, yes, uh, you know, uh, absolutely. With the wig and with the painting, her mother's energy for sure. You know, this is a wig that she wore every day for 30 years. You know, this is a painting that hung on that wall across from her favorite seat so she could look at it every single day. She probably went over and touched it or something a few times, you know, Um her, she's, as a matter of fact, Leslie told me her uncles used to come over and kiss the photograph because they said, oh, it looks like my sister. You know what I mean? And they would like they, they would kiss it on the cheek like goodbye when they would leave just to bust, you know, her mother's chops. 
and uh, everybody would get a laugh out of it. But, you know. Wow. That's a lot to go through. It really flips your life around. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and this woman, like I said, she's very, very sensitive and she's afraid of her own shadow, which does not make does not help in any way, shape or form. Yeah. You know, and then when we were when we were, you know, going through the ceremony of actually cleansing the house and sealing each individual room and the crawl spaces and the attics. And, and then we had to go outside and, and, and cleanse and seal the property. You know, it was complicated because being a townhouse, there was another townhouse attached to it right next door. You know, so we didn't want anything coming through the other townhouse and then coming back into her house through that wall that, you know, connects both townhouses together. You want to explain so how we, you did that? Excuse me? Would you explain, explain how, you, how did you did that? Oh, sure. So what we did is like, what we did was we, we um, put some uh, holy water and some uh, uh, sea salt in a spray bottle and we shook it up. And we sprayed the whole wall. And then when it dried, you know, and, and you got that film, we wiped everything off. And that's how we sealed that wall. And then we, um, we actually put like um, a couple of little protection stones in the corners where all the walls meet so yeah. that, you know, it wouldn't be able to find any cracks or crevices to come back in. Because like I said, that was... My biggest concern was doing everything we did, spending a whole weekend there working on her husband, like, you know, he, two weeks with him and uh, a whole weekend, just me on my own, sealing everything. And I, the last thing I wanted was to leave a doorway open where anything could come back through. Yeah. My goodness, takes so much work to rectify that, reconcile oh. everything. Yeah, a lot of work. Now, let me tell you something. Thank God for Miss Aida, because this was something over my pay grade. Um, I really wouldn't have known where to go with this normally. Something like that, I would have handed off to a friend of mine, you know. Um, but um, everybody I know that does this stuff, uh, whether it's, um, you know, demonic or, you know, um, entities or anything that does cleansings, everybody charges for their services. Yeah. I don't charge for my service, you know? And so this, it would have cost this woman just what Miss Aida alone did for her probably would have charged her like $500 if it, some strange stranger off the street and, um, and everything she did with her husband and then everything that I did and all the, all the, stuff that i needed to bring you know she she ordered a lot of her stuff on her own and she got everything that miss aida told her to buy she bought but there was stuff that i was bringing with me that i work with all the time that i'm comfortable with i'm familiar with and uh so that you know that comes out of my pocket and like i said i i got into this to help people who had nowhere to turn and didn't know where to turn and I definitely didn't want to just hand her off to somebody and then have them charge her $1,000 or $1,500 or whatever, you know. Um, then sometimes I have no choice but to do that because it's, you know, above my pay grade. Um, but long as I'm not dealing with anything a demonic, you know, if it's just a negative entity, something like that, then, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll deal with it. But once it gets above that, then I, I hand it off. And she was lucky that there wasn't anything dark or demonic there. You know what I mean? She I think with her husband, you know, being that he was cursed and then he was working out with those weights and those weights were holding the energy of whoever owned them. I don't know whoever owned them, if they were on steroids and it was roid rage involved. But when you're lifting those weights, you're putting all your intent on getting those weights up and all your energy into those barbells. And when he was doing it, he would get all crazy as well. And I'm sure he was absorbing 
the energy that was in that barbell from whoever owned it before him, you know? And I told him, I said, you got to get rid of this stuff. I said, you know, yeah, you got to get, get rid of this of stuff. Um, donate it, throw it out, you know, go buy all brand new stuff that doesn't have anything attached to it. You know, one thing I don't think people realize is when you've got somebody coming in to remediate a situation like that, that person has to do a lot of preparation and cleansing themselves in, in preparation for this. Sometimes it's a special diet. Sometimes it's um, a meditative state that they have to repeat. It takes a lot of energy and a lot of effort to help these people out doing this. It's not something that's easily undone. Yeah, I mean, if somebody comes in and with a with a, a a stage sick and walks around the house and you know and tells you everything is everything is good now, it's and don't pay them any money because it's probably not. You know what I mean? Yeah, it takes a little bit more than that to um, to get rid of these things. Yeah, opening the portals, but the the people themselves, if they're part of the cause, either they have to change. But like in this case. The woman is just plain psychic, and I think she draws a lot of this to her. She does. She does because when she lived at, she had a different condo. Um, Her and her husband had a different condo at a different location, and her her home at the other condo was was um, had had uh, entities as well. And I went there, and I cleansed that for them, like five years ago, maybe six years ago. And, you know, so it doesn't matter where she goes. Things are going to find her. It's who she, it's who she is. And she's, a, you know, she's so afraid of everything. So she puts that scared energy out, you know, which just makes it worse. I told her you can't be scared of every little bing, bang in the house, you know, and every time something bangs or dings, you can't jump out of your skin, you know? So the resolution on this, what what did you suggest that she do? Oh, we like I said, we, we, we went through, I got a ton of stuff here. I mean, I, I wrote everything out because there's no way I could remember everything we used as far as the, the, the all the different things that were used in the cleansing and the, and the rituals and everything else. I mean, it's just so I, as, I got above as far as like 50, 50 things on my list. You know but what I mean? What did you suggest so, that she do to keep this at bay? Meditation was one thing, right? Oh, for me personally, you mean? Perfect. Oh, absolutely. I have I have a quartz crystals meditation circle outside that I um, meditate in. I, and I ground myself, right. you know, and then I protect myself after. After I, I, well, I protect myself before I go in as well, you know, and then once I get in there, I, you know, open up my mind and I, uh, you know, ask for like divine intervention and help like that. And I ground myself and I protect myself because I don't want to bring anything home to my family and I don't want to get, you know, deathly ill from from dealing with anything because I know people that have gotten, you know, sick. Or, or, you know, how did you go, advise? They, how did you advise her to not bring this in? Didn't you suggest meditation for her as well? No, not for her. I mean, I probably should have sort of advised <laughs> her with meditation as well. But she's she doesn't have a chaotic energy. You know, she just has a scared energy. Everything scares her everything and that is so bad because of there's negative stuff coming out of the portal in the woods and it feels that scared energy that's like a beacon for that stuff you know and it makes a beeline right for her you know so i mean it's a different kind of energy when you're dealing with someone who's got so scared or someone who is got chaotic energy that's just like a tornado you know it's a different it's a different kind of energy and um but i told her i said you have to you have to be strong uh, you know you have to you have to toughen up a little bit just a little bit you can't every time you hear uh, a bump in the night jump out of your skin it's just it's yeah. there's no way to it's live hard. number one 
We've got one minute left, Al. Um, I wanted to ask you how, what what was your marital situation after the curses were dissipated? Uh, the husband, the husband was back to his old self. Like I said, since I I've already worked with this family, you know, years before, I knew how he was because at the other location. He he wasn't having any experience at the other location. It was her, of course. Yeah. And um, and nothing was happening to him because he had a different job at that time. So he didn't have any, you know, women secretaries in the office or anything like that. You know. So they're still but, married um, and happy. Huh? They're still married and happy. Happily married. They're back to normal, and you know, she's actually doing better. She's, you know, getting healthier. Because it was draining her, you know, I think all the fear and all the anxiety from dealing with him and whoever this woman was, he was dealing with. And then the the love spell and then the curse, it was all taking a toll on her and it was draining her. And now that they're, you know, back to their marital bliss, um, she's better mentally and physically. And, you know, she, she, she was out working again. So she's, not stuck in the house 24 seven. So it's just a, a whole better life for both of them right now, you know? Okay, so on that though, we are at the bottom of the hour. You do have to uh, take a quick break here. And we'll be back and we'll discuss the one more closing element I wanted to mention. So we'll be back in just a minute. tonight is Al Santariga, and welcome back, Al. Thank you, Willie. Thank you, Lynn, for having me. So, what I did want to mention regarding this past Westminster County, New York case, um, those pictures were very intriguing to me, because she seemed to capture, because of her sensitivity, I felt like she was capturing layers of time, we talked about this. Like there's one picture there where it looks like sh- there's a picture of a Vietnam vet as well as um, a hunter or some some humanoid type person holding something. And I was thinking a rifle, but it almost looked like a stick. I, I can't even figure out what it was now. Maybe it was a hunter. I don't know. But That's I, the guy I call the Minuteman, yeah. To me, he looked, like, okay. he looked like a Minuteman sure. Revolutionary War uh, soldier. Yeah. yeah. So you're capturing those two time, or she was, capturing those two time periods simultaneously in the same photograph. And I don't think that people think of that when you have capture a picture of a orb or a ghost. You probably are capturing another dimension because it's a different frequency. But that, to me, was like capturing two different timelines in the same photograph and I find that fascinating and who's to say how many timelines are out there I mean there's so much that we don't know and it's beyond our scope of vision you know I just find it intriguing those photographs oh, yeah, are intriguing yeah, absolutely. I think uh, some a lot of the images that she caught out in the yard in the in the woods yes. were definitely things coming in from different dimensions and i think they were coming in because they were attracted to her energy you know and she was able to capture that yeah i don't believe that all of those weird animals that she captured or entities that she captured in her backyard were all coming through the same dimension i believe they were coming in different dimensions different timelines absolutely yep Yep, and one did look like a raccoon, and I saw also two it looked like the head of a gray ET, and then of course the the World War II vet, or maybe he was Vietnam, and then the Minuteman. It's just really fascinating photos. So I appreciate you sending those in. And the second case is going to be the Dutchess County case, and there aren't any photographs associated with this, but this case involves. Um, a family living in a very large house in Dutchess County, and it involves a Ouija board and some poltergeist activity and the sighting of a revolutionary soldier 
shadow people, and uh, a woman with very high chaotic energy. So you want to take it from there, Al? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So I, I got a phone call from a friend of mine, um, and he says that, you know, he's him and his wife had gone out with um, ghost hunters a couple of times, you know, um, so they were they they were familiar with the paranormal and they had been living in this house for 30 years. And, you know, they had things happen, being bang, you know, no, no, nothing that scared them. Well, recently, like the last five years, something changed. And uh, he said he doesn't even want to be there anymore, you know, in the house. Uh, he's become a workaholic, so he tries to stay away from the house as much as he can. So he called me in, and I said, okay, let me just come in and do a walkthrough. Let me see what I get. And it was funny, though. The vibe I got while I was talking to him on the phone was that somebody had played with a Ouija board. I don't know if it was his daughters or his son, if it was when they were younger, if it was now. I just felt like someone had done something with a Ouija board. Again, I don't claim to be psychic by any stretch of imagination. (laughs) But when you do this for as long as I've done it, you get sensitive to different energies. Anyway, I go there and um, uh, my psychic, who um, I normally use, couldn't do the the walkthrough with me because she was uh, going through back surgery. So she was in bad shape. So I called a a dear friend of mine, world renowned psychic, Miss Katie Turner. She does like two or three different shows on the Travel Channel. She's phenomenal. She's scary. And um, when she starts reading you, she locks in like a laser guided missile. And she said, first thing she said to me when I was telling her, she goes, somebody play with a Ouija board. I was like, okay. And then she's like, okay. Um, she goes, uh, why am I seeing a cemetery in your backyard? And I was like, okay, they have a revolutionary cemetery in their backyard. I said, okay, the person who played with the Ouija board lived three houses over. And they went into the cemetery with their friends, a couple of teenagers, fooling around, played a Ouija board. They opened the portal. She said, so they opened the portal. Everything went right to these people. So I said, okay. So we get to the house and she tells the wife, you know, that her energy is so chaotic that it's her who's creating all the poltergeist activity. And, you know, the son says, yeah, but we get this even when my mother's not here, you know? And Katie said, because her energy is so crazy. It happens even when she's not in the house. Okay. And Katie told her that she needed to set up a quartz crystal circle, meditation circle facing East, she said. And she had to meditate in that circle for 15 minutes a day to bring her energy down and get it under control so that she wouldn't have this chaotic energy throughout the whole house because the kids heard it everywhere. You know, it wasn't just like wherever she was, if they, they were in their bedrooms, they heard stuff. And so anyway, we, we stepped through. Plus Katie told her some personal stuff that she needed to go to the doctor and get some looked at. And then she got, she got to her, the, the family, the husband and the son. And she said, okay, you two guys are indigo children, both of you. Said you're you're. They told my told the the father that he was third generation, and the son that he was fourth generation. And you guys have a lot of stuff attracted to you. That's another reason why um, there's um, energy coming in. She said, "Whoever opened the portal in the cemetery because it was on your property facing your house, it made a beeline right to you." Because of your guy, between your wife's energy and your son and your husband's energy, the portal is in the house now. She actually thought it was downstairs in the basement. And then, as we were walking, she told the husband too some personal stuff about his heart that he needed to go get his heart checked out and stuff like that. And then we were walking around the house, and she's like, "Okay, um, I see an uh, an older I see an older gentleman." He's looks like he's a military guy, um, very, very ruthless, mean person, hates women. And it was funny because his wife and his daughters and his son's girlfriend would always get like slapped around and stuff at night, you know, wake up with bruises. She said, it's this guy. And 
he came through the portal at the cemetery because he's buried out in that cemetery. And he was actually one of uh, a colonel who actually owned all this property where this development is built on now. He owned the whole farm. And um, he's buried in and she, so when they opened up that portal, he went back to their house, I guess it was maybe where his house was at one time. I'm not sure. And then Katie went on to say, okay, um, we we're walking through the living room and he had a beautiful fireplace, mantelplace, just gorgeous. I mean, the house was just humongous. And she stopped and she said, okay, there's an antique gun over the fireplace. She said, that's got to go. Somebody who owned that gun not necessarily the colonel, but somebody who owned that gun committed murder with it. And there's negative energy attached to that gun. So that's got to go. Okay. <laughs> and then we went upstairs in the bedroom. And man, when you walked into the, when I walked into that bedroom, the energy that hit me buckled my knees. I had to actually sit down on the bed and catch my breath because I got like uh just so dizzy, so weak. It's just like you walked into uh, and it's just like an energy field. It just zapped me. And then she said, okay. They had two full-length mirrors, his and hers, and they were facing each other. And she said, one of those mirrors is a portal. Never have any mirrors facing each other. You can create portals that way. And these particular people had like 6,000 mirrors all over the house. Okay, there was mirrors everywhere and uh, all different sizes and shapes and colors. And and then uh, she also said that we went into the master bathroom and she said, okay, they had a whole wall over the sink um, was mirrored. And she said, this mirror is a portal too. And I said, well, how do we know that these mirrors are actually portals? And she said, well, if you take your fingertip and you put it up against the glass and you see space between your finger and the mirror, that mirror is an active portal. Interesting. And I did that in every single mirror in the house. Like I said, there was a lot of mirrors in that house and only two (laughs) was there space between my finger. Her full-length mirror and the mirror in the bathroom had those. So we had to seal those and we had to turn them away from each other. And she, you know, she told, she told them not only should you turn them away from each other um, after we seal them and everything, but you should throw something over them at night, really? you know, just to keep them covered and only expose them when you need to look at yourself in the mirror and begin the morning. But, um, and we went through, we started up in the attic and again, this was a, a, a two-day event up in the attic. And we started from the top and we saged each floor. We saged each, first we'd sage. Then we'd, uh, we'd, we'd um, at the same time I'm saging, I'm using frankincense and myrrh. And I'm, I'm cleansing with that as well. And then I'm holy water, holy oil over every entrance. Florida water. I mean, one, and then Katie told us to go out and buy all these particular stones. The, some were protective stones, some were healing stones, some were purification stones. And she wanted them put in certain corners in certain rooms, you know? And we went through each individual room and we did that for every single room in the house, which was insane because there were so many rooms. And she she also said that the colonel was downstairs in the basement and he had told me when he had his um, father living with him at, a, at one point and his father was down in the basement and the father said, you know, that, uh, you know, there's, there's a dark energy down here. I'm seeing shadows at night and, you know, I feel my bed moving and his father says, I'm not sleeping down in the basement anymore. You know, it's a finished space. It was beautiful. And he goes, I'm sleeping in one of the kids' rooms. <laughs> and then uh, his brother had moved in, f- in with him for a little while. And his brother actually was getting attacked down there. And the brother's like, yeah, you know, I'd rather go sleep in the car than down in this basement, you know. And um, so we went, we, we, because he's told me originally that he had saged the house and it didn't work. And I said, okay, when you saged, 
Did you open windows in each room? Did you open the doorways? I said, you got to give this negative energy someplace to go because that's what you're doing. You're driving it out, you know? And he's like, no, I left everything closed. I said, well, then you really didn't get rid of anything. All you did was make it go somewhere and hide in between the walls or the crawl space or, you know, in the attic or somewhere, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't necessarily cleansing as much as you were just buying yourself some time until the sage uh, evaporated and this thing would come back in. It would come back in with a, you know, vengeance. So, like I said, each room, we were in each room. God, it seemed like we were in each room for an hour because, you know, I didn't want to go up and through the house like 10 different times. So I did everything at once in each room. So with all the different things, the holy water and all the oil and all this other Florida water and stuff like that and the mirrors. Oh, my God. We, 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 we sealed every single mirror in the house and then we wiped them clean and uh, we worked our way down into the basement and right out the back door and then right out the garage. And, you know, and then it was funny because as we started on the outside, his daughter had stopped in and she has two little twin girls and the twins are, petri- dead, are deadly afraid of the house. So when they walk in the front door, they hold each other's hands and they look around like they're looking for spirits. Now, they've seen shadow figures in this home. They've seen tall ones, small ones. They've seen images of their son who passed away many, many years ago as, as an infant, you know, and they actually played with his kids that he has now. You know, they didn't know it was their brother, but they, they were playing with a little boy ghost. But the twins were seeing something dark. It was, a, it was a child spirit, but it had no eyes. Their eyes were black and scared the living daylights out of the twins. And he had a huge room set up as like a boy called it the Barbie room. It had everything Barbie that two little girls would want, you know, even had like a little Barbie tent in the room. And the kids would never, ever go in that room especially without an adult. But anyway, the daughter comes in to drop something off for the brother. And then she runs back out because she's got the kids in the car that's sleeping and she's going to her house. And um, the daughter turns to, to her father and says, what did you guys do in there? And his father said, why? She goes, because it feels so much lighter, which was a nice validation for me that all that work we were doing was actually paying off. And then we started on the outside of the house and Katie told me something that was very interesting. She said, um, you need to get red bricks and grind them down and seal the, uh, the perimeter of the house with the red brick, you know, um, shavings, you know? Yeah, I never heard and of I that. And I said, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I'd never heard of that before. Yeah, and then she explained to me that the way the bricks were made and, and something about the, the dye had to be red bricks. And it was weird because he just happened to have like 10,000 red bricks in his yard. <laughs> so he ground them all down. And we had like a whole bucket of this red brick uh, dust. And she said, the reason we're going to use red brick is because it doesn't wash away like the salt does. And it, and it just sinks in because it's heavier. It'll sink into the soil and it'll seal the soil as well that's just so we did that and then i have this stuff that i make i make up it's called uh aqua the dio the water of god and it's got like again it's got frankincense and myrrh and sage and holy oil in it it's got um uh salts from uh from the dead sea in it wow um yeah, I got I, I I order it from uh, the motherland and uh, kosher salt from the Dead Sea. It's got a bunch of different um, purification things and protective things in it. And what I did was I sprayed. Um, I would spray the wall around the house, and then we would put the red brick dust down on top of it, you know, and seal it that way. And I left him the spray bottle too, as well. And we use that on the mirrors as well when we seal the mirrors as well. Because um, you can't use it on the wall because it's got oils and stuff in it. Can I that, ask you, do you think the bricks 
have something to do with being organic that might make a difference? Yeah, you know, like the way she explained it to me, it has something to do with the way they're made. I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know how they make red bricks. You know what I mean? I don't even know how they make bricks. But um, she said they had to be red bricks. So, mm. again, we were lucky enough. He happened to have 10,000 red bricks in his backyard. But he had pulled up an old patio put to put a new patio down, and he had oh, all had these the red bricks. bricks. So we just ground them down, you know. So that was like a whole day grounding down bricks. And um, now, we, if I ahead. could ask you here one other important question. How is it that they had many mirrors? How is it that two of them became portal-like? How does that happen? Okay, she said, Katie said that when the colonel came back to the house, he and he, that, that main portal that he had come through, that came to the house, um, when he came through that house and he was going from room to room, because they would hear somebody would like, boots like army boots or whatever we want to call them back in the day when they wore those red those leather boots walk up and down the steps and go from slamming doors and stuff like that um (laughs) his energy when he seen the two mirrors facing each other it was his energy now i don't know if the portal that was created in the room where the two mirrors face each other had anything to do with the portal he came through or if it was um a whole different portal from a whole different dimension. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it was, that was definitely um, one of the portals. So it was the Colonel. What's what we called him? The Colonel, the Colonel who, who opened up the second portal in the house, in the, in the be- master bedroom. Okay. But um, yeah, so we did that. And I, you know, honestly, I was so wiped out after that, weekend and and his house that um i couldn't get out of there fast enough again this is another person who's a friend of mine personal friend of mine i know him since we were you know eight years old and i wasn't going to charge him anything you know so it was a freebie and i couldn't get out of there fast enough. i left so fast that when i left i left my bag with all my equipment in there you know so when i got home as I was walking in the front door, he was calling and he was like, dude, you forgot your, your all your gear. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll come back tomorrow for my gear. I, I can't deal with the energy in that house again today because I couldn't feel the house being any lighter like his daughter could because I had absorbed so much residue of the old stuff, you know? Yeah. And um, when I went, even when I went back the following day to get my bag with all my equipment, to me, the house still felt heavy. It still looked dark. But um, as time went on, you know, the house got lighter and lighter because he would call me and he'd say, yeah, you know, the house looks so much lighter now. It's like we got like 100 more windows than we ever had. <laughs> then he went on to tell me a beautiful story. Um, his daughter came over with the twins and the two kids walk in the front door like they always do, holding hands, you know. And uh, they look around and then they look at the grandfather and they say, pop, pop, house is different. And they run off into the Barbie room and they just start playing by themselves. <laughs> and to me, that was the best validation I could have ever got. Because, oh, yeah. you know, those kids have the same energy as the father and the brother and probably the mother, too, you know. Um, so, um that was very valid. That just brought so much joy to my heart that all that hard work and all that energy that we put into that cleansing, because I put him and his son to work because I couldn't get any of my guys to come up to do anything. Everybody was busy or already had you know committed to other things. So I was all on my own that day. So I told these, um, I said, listen, you got to put you guys to work today. I can't do all of this on myself, you know, it was First day was prep. Second day was actually doing everything we needed to to cleanse and seal and bind the house to keep everything out, you know. And then they were telling me stories that um, his wife started telling me a story. She said, you know, when we were younger, 
and the kids were small. They have a beautiful pool in the backyard with a deck around it. You know, all the kids in the neighborhood would come over and use the pool. We didn't care. You know, they, that's how these people are. You know, they just come and use the pool, whatever, you know. And uh, she said one day I seen somebody walk around the front of the house thinking it was one of her son's friends going to use the pool. She seen a big shadow, you know, she's like, wow, that's a really big shadow. Who was who that? But the guy never came out of the side of the house, like to the back to where the pool was. So when she opened up the window to see who it was, because she couldn't understand where he went. And when she opened up to the window to see who it was, there was a Sasquatch looking in at her. And it had a handful of flowers. She had all kinds of flowers on that side of the house. And it was picking her flowers. Now, I don't know if it was picking it for medicinal purposes or for food or what, but she said oh. she screamed, the creature screamed, and the creature ran off, you know? And then my friend told me one night, he was living late, late night. It was late, like 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning. He was laying in, the, in his lounge chair watching TV. And... Um, he heard something walk by the front of the house, like boom, boom. He said, he says, man, he sounded like an elephant because the whole house shook and I could feel the vibration in my chair. So again, he went outside, didn't see anything at the front. So he went out the back, didn't see anything at the back. So he walked to the, to the side of the house where the deck is because the deck is the, the deck is half, half the house has got a deck and the other half has a patio. And he walked to the end of the deck. Again, that's where all our flowers were. And there was a Sasquatch picking her flowers again. Wow. And he didn't know what it was at first because all he seen was this dark shadow bending down. And he yelled, hey, you know, what are you doing? And how my friend happens to be a tiny guy, you know, he's like five foot tall, you know, 90 pounds soaking wet. And he was like, hey, what are you doing over there? You know, because he had like his baseball bat and the thing got up and just took off running. And uh, it screamed. He said, Al, when it screamed, I swear to God, I felt the, the vibrate in my body. He goes, I was so scared. He goes, I got in my car and I drove to work and I slept and I slept at work. So I was ready to punch it. He goes, because I wasn't dealing with it. And now his son happens to walk in. He's hearing the end of the story. And he says, I got I got one even better than that. He says, one night I, I was home late I was watching TV. and." Uh, he, heard, he felt the house get slapped. Boom. He was like, what the heck was that? And he, as soon as he put on the lights, the front lights, um, because it was the front door that actually got slapped. He said he thought somebody was kicking down the front door, you know, really shook him, you know. And he put the sensor lights on. And when he did, he said, something let out a scream that just paralyzed me. He said, then I opened the door to see what, and he says, and I seen this giant Sasquatch running up the street. He would run like a hundred yards, stop, turn around, scream, run another hundred yards. And as he was doing this, all the lights in the neighborhood were coming on. <laughs> and, uh, and then I said to him, I said, you know, it dawned on me. I said, you know, you guys are pretty close to nuclear Lake. How far are you? And he says, Oh, he goes, these woods here go right to Nuclear Lake. He says, we can hit Nuclear Lake with a rock from here. And I was like, okay, well, these Sasquatches have probably been coming through here since this was a farm, you know? Yeah. And they're still coming through. And I, I forgot the flowers the wife had growing at the time. I forgot what she said she had growing. But um, whatever they were, the Sasquatches liked them you know but i mean so the whole area and and then she and then he went on to tell me a story that he was talking to the woman who lives on the other side of the cemetery okay and he was talking to her and she, he said have you ever had any you know paranormal experiences because it's a hard subject to bring up you know when you first move into a new neighborhood you don't want people to think you're nuts and she said I've been in this house since I was born. My mom died. I took the house over. She said, we've seen that shadow figure walk through our basement all the time. She goes, we hear the heavy boots and we see him walk through. But he only just walks through their house. He doesn't stay in the house. He doesn't affect anybody in the house. He doesn't touch anybody in the house. And I think 
it's because the people who live in that house don't have any psychic abilities, you know? So he's not really attracted to them. That's the soldier, right, that does that? Yeah, the colonel. We called him the colonel, yeah. Did they? Well, we're going to have to. We're out of time. Oh, are we? Yeah, we are. Darn. Unfortunately, we're going to have to hold it there. We are out of time, Al. Okay. But how can uh, people get a hold of you? Bronxville Paranormal Society? I'm easy. Facebook is the easiest way to find me. You could contact me personally. I'll I'll answer any questions you have. Private message me on Messenger. Uh, You could find me at the Bronxville Paranormal Society, um, the New York State UFO Project, the New York State uh, UF, uh, UF, New York State Sasquatch Organization, and the North American Dogman Project, New York State Chapter. Any of those four groups, I'm the director of all of them. And um, you can reach me at any of those groups or you can reach me personally and uh, I'll answer any questions you have. So we can just find you just about anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not on all social media. I just... I'm not a tech guy. I can't be bouncing around to 6,000 different media pages. I just usually stick with the Facebook stuff. It's the easiest place to get me. Right. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Al. Thank you, Al. Well, the thank pleasure is mine. Thank us. you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. It's great hooking up with you guys again. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a while. Yeah. Nice to talk to you again. We'll see you again soon, though.